Chapter 7, Counting the Stars. Count the stars in the sky. Did anyone have any things they wanted to share? I'm just thinking, you'll be counting forever. Bingo. <laughs> That's the first thing that came up for me. The first thing that came up for me is in what world could this be a koan that could exist for hundreds of years? <laughs> ah, but if you've ever done that, I'll, I'll share it with you. And if you want to share it, you know that picture I show to everyone? Yeah. I when I heard this koan count the stars in the sky, I was levitating because it took me right back to that moment in this photo where they were uncountable and so magnificent and so you just have to see the photo. Okay. So I was at a McDonald Observatory and I asked two questions of the astronomer there who was showing us the sky. And one was, where are we <laughs> in the universe? And he said, I said, are we in the middle or toward the edge? And he said, we're about a third. Hmm. And that's really controversial, I know, whether because some people see it like, like a uh, sphere, like a balloon, like the surface of a balloon. So it made no sense. But anyway, that's what he told me. The other question, I said, how big is the universe? And he said, it's infinite. And I know mathematicians would hate that, that anything in life could be infinite. But, but one thing I've noticed in all the koans is there's a, a switch from the relative to the absolute. Mm. You know, like in the relative, we're individual people. and in the absolute, we're all, in the, we're all one or not even one. Peg says not to, but whatever it is, we're not. So, so you can imagine a dialogue here, right? Mm -hmm. Between two people and one says, count the stars in the sky and the other says, what did Cody say? On forever. They go on forever. And what if you lose count? That'll be even worse. <laughs> <laughs> You have to start all over. <laughs> Spoken so logically. <laughs> and I think like 500 was the, the Buddhist number for like the, we use a thousand to mean many, 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 500. But, but they really, there's, there's um, sutras where, or like Vima Lakirti, where there's a, a small room, but there's, you know, a thousand bodhisattvas and stuff. So they really love the big numbers hmm. as being hmm. kind of symbolic for me of, of the expansion of our minds. Hmm. Well, oh. and isn't it too to focus when you're counting the stars in the sky? To say bring it again, Melissa. Can you say I think it again? It also, I think it's also about focusing. Oh, okay bring your bring your mind to just counting the stars because once you start counting them like you said there there's an infinite number and you have to you have to just focus on that 
And I was thinking it is a pointless task because it's never going to be completed. I'm like, it's an impossible task to be completed. So (laughs) I just sent you. And maybe that's the point. Maybe. Uh, Yeah, it's a task. But is it, but is it, is it really, um, what was the word you used? Is it really, uh, is that it's it's an impossible impossible Yeah, yeah. Is it really an impossible time? Yeah, yeah, I like that. I think we shouldn't even try and just sit in awe and wonder and gratitude and just joy. I mean, it's, Mm. so I sent that picture, Kim. Oh, how'd you send it? Email and also um, text. Oh, to me? Yes. Okay, but first I want to share this. Okay. How about this? Beings are numberless. I vow to free them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. So there's all these these almost Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. So it's, it's working with the the boundless, the inexhaustible, the numberless, mm. but still there, we try to do it. Um, I put on the chat what I consider the most beautiful movie ever created. And it's about infinity. And you infinity. told me about it. I have it on my list of things to do. Well, you told me two months ago. I Seriously. <laughs> Amazing. For Netflix on, on the chat, Everybody should watch it. I really recommend it. And it seriously will blow your mind what mathematicians and physicists, and they talk about the universe and the human being. It's so much this that we're talking about. Oh, my goodness. It is. It really is. I made her watch it. Okay, I'm going to share a Nelda's picture of the sky, just an ordinary sky. Where is that? I was there. I couldn't see all of the stars you're going to see. And if you expand the picture, there will be countless more. But I was sitting there on the coastline of Maui with my... (sighs) So if you enlarge and expand the picture i was sitting right on those rocks and now count the stars now count them count them it's mind-blowing that's why that's why when the cohen said count the stars i levitated because um it was a very special day in maui it was cloudless and of course you're near the equator so you have this wonderful view of of the milky way and it's rarely cloudless in Maui and my favorite cousin Nora's her husband is an engineer but his passion is photography so he'll carry a tiny little suitcase on trips for himself and then these trunks you know these huge suitcase with all of his telescopes and camera equipment and that's what he captured and so that was the visual and the auditory was since it's a rocky part of the beach is that the ocean would breathe out and crash onto the onto the the, the the shore there. And then it would breathe in and you would hear 
rumble, 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 rumble of it pulling back those boulders and then it would breathe out. And it, it was just, it, it was, it was an mm. amazing symphony and visual art show. And so anyway, I, there you go. This is gorgeous. And where was it again, Nelda? It was in Maui. And mm. it was, it was really a very special event that photographers all over the world knew about and flew to Maui for this three-day period mm. um, to capture this this kind of view. Mm. Yeah. You know, as you there by chance or did you did you go to capture? Oh, oh no, I didn't go to capture my it, it, um <laughs> My cousin, her family, and I, and my son, her kids are the same age as my son. We meet there every two years, except for COVID. And it mm. just so happened that, well, it didn't so happen. They planned the trip around this event okay. and gave me the dates. I'm like, we're there. Um, but my son couldn't make it. So um, I went. And I'm so glad I did. Me too. Yeah. You know, as I'm looking at this photo and thinking of the koan, um, it's like, if I count the stars, if, you know, if I count the stars, I actually miss the experience. So not, don't count the stars, just don't count. enjoy the experience. Exactly. This is magnificent. I mean, seriously, this is absolutely stunning. Janiel, that, that, what you just said, that, that goes uh with a lot of uh different aspects in life because for example <clears throat> i i've been like working out a lot uh i run a lot so yesterday i did it like a 12.4 mile basically a 20k run and usually well when i i, I kind of get in my own head when i when i do it and so yesterday what i what i did for maybe like the first half of it I just looked out in front of me and looked, you know, at the sky and the surroundings, the trees, the, the grass, the, mm -hmm. everything just kind of went away, you know. But when I focus on every step, it kind of messes everything up, you know. Yeah. I think about, I don't think it's about counting the stars. I think it's about smelling the roses. Mm -hmm. Take the time to be there and enjoy that moment yeah i would agree yeah. breathe out and breathe in and just be there well are we done yeah no. <laughs> Should we see? Yeah. What John says? All right. Hey, boy, call on. Laureus William Stafford's advice to poets. Never think of yourself as a per per person who didn't count. Festival of, of the Souls. Masuo Basho's poem on the death of his friend. Jutai in July 1694, near the time of the Japanese All Souls Day. Um, what 
I see that there's a one and a two. Is there more information on those two quotes? Here's the one. I wonder what he meant by lower your standards. Yeah, what do you think? I don't know because with I have I finally ended the editing for the book this 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 morning afternoon. And I have been just trying to do the best that I can push the limits, try to make sure nothing escapes me, even though I'm a human and I'm gonna be making mistakes because that's part of being a human. So if I was to lower the standards, the quality of the book would be lowered. So- No, I, I think that- uh, Go ahead, Starlet, I'm sorry. No, I, I didn't oh, say- you were complete. You were complete? Yes, okay. yes. No, I, I was just thinking that uh, uh, so many times, like um, <laughs> people have this idea or standard, right? And then they produce nothing because they don't feel anything measures up to that standard. And so they never produce uh -huh. anything. It keeps them stuck, right? But if you lower your standard in that, you know, you produce, you do the best and then you just give it without worry, then you can actually um do something rather than be frozen in place you know trying to tweak it and tweak it and tweak it and then it gets nowhere that's my interpretation that's my interpretation okay well i like I, that i like that too because so that's my son um helped me broaden my view of this he's a playwright in new york city and he said, you, you can't try to write, mom, a play. You just can't try to do that. It writes itself. You have to lower, and, and, and I guess, I guess, you know, any artist, and I'm not an artist, so Kim, correct me because you are. Art makes itself and we just have to let it make itself through us. And isn't our life art? And I can say these words and also do all the wrong things, right? About letting go, but life is art. The arts that we know is art and you can't force it. So instead of setting this perfectionist standard, this, this box we want to fit it into, if we let go, it creates something so beautiful. I, that's how I read lower your standards. In other words, get them out of the way and art and life will create itself. I may be wrong, but that's how I see it. Can I just say, Nelda, you said you're not an artist. I, I think that we are all artists and the way you dress, the colors you choose, you know, when you put things together, you are creating, you create a story you know, so we are, to me, we are all artists and we express it in a myriad of forms, whether it's writing or music, drawing, you know, whatever we do, we are creating something, right? So 
I think you're a beautiful artist. <laughs> such a um that's such a nice set of thoughts. You can always the person that you meet, the new person that you meet in your life, you can always ask yourself, what is your art? That's interesting. Oh, yeah, that was lovely, Jay. Yeah. Nelda also was trained as a dancer. And ah. that's pretty much an art, isn't it, Nelda? It was yeah. a passion more than it was an art. <laughs> it, was a what? it was a what? It was a passion, but it flowed from me. I mean, there was, you know, you did learn all of the um, forms just like you do in the Zendo. That's like you do in our practice. You learn the forms, but once you know the forms like intimately, then the practice flows from you and through you. And I found the same with, with dance. You know, you did learn all those ballet positions. You did learn all those jazz moves or flamenco or whatever, tap or whatever I was taking at the time. But once they became second nature, then it just flowed. It became, it created itself. So why did I go to law school, you might ask, instead of, <laughs> instead of follow my passion? Well, it was twofold. Um, I realized that I wasn't going to be able, I did not have the myriad of resources it took to, to do what I wanted to do, which was dance on Broadway. I didn't have enough money. I didn't have enough connections. I didn't have enough. I didn't have enough. And then around that time, I adopted my niece and so I had to create a different plan to support her economically and emotionally. And I went to law school. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Okay. Kim, you wanna move to the next one? Okay. But did Jay read? No. Um, okay. Cody, Jake. Oh, okay. There are passages in life that seem as if they are between other passages. There may be nothing wrong with them, but they don't have much heft of their own. Such moments of vestibules or airport lounges. You pass through them, not for their own sake, but in order to get to other moments. The range of these between moments or intervals can be wide. Times of physical pain often take such a form, as can waiting in line for a driver's license and in general waiting for someone else to do something, for example, to sign a deal, to grant you a visa, to die, <laughs> to fall in love with you, to be impressed by you, or to pass sentence on you. One of the virtues of meditation is that it allows you to tolerate or even enjoy such between moments, to befriend the material your mind throws to the surface when it is not otherwise occupied by chasing something or trying to improve its condition. There is a koan that encouraged me to examine such moments. The koan, counting the stars. Out the stars in the sky, working with the koan. For a long time, this koan lacked interest for me, was possibly downright boring. 
the koan is usually given to someone soon after their heart has started to open up. At that moment, you might feel as if you are floating on the ceiling. <laughs> it is said in the koan schools that if you awaken in the morning, you don't mind dying that evening. Your life has been worth it. And I suppose awaken has a double meaning here. I'm not sure. You can see your place of belonging, how you have a home in the oak tree and your neighbor and the elk rubbing its velvety antlers on a gray fence post. In this razzle-dazzle, you might forget you are also yourself, Sally or Bill. This koan seemed to remedy that tendency by insisting on the mundane and particular. Counting, numbering, <laughs> taxes, deductions, interest rate, the koan doesn't allow you to be vague and enthusiastic the way spiritual expressions can sometimes be. It asks for embodiment and precision. The traditional response that has been passed down is just to count the stars. That's fun because it's impossible, although not wildly so, since the activity of counting is a familiar one. I had noticed along the other along with the other teachers I worked with that no one had ever had much to say about counting the stars. This could be interesting, I thought. What if I found a boring what if I have found a boring koan? Perhaps I should feature it in some way. Boring koans available here. No one's heart seemed to be changing, and though that might be the point of a boring koan. For me, this koan was like an apple tree that had always been in the garden, but never allowed to flower, or never flowered. Okay. Sorry. Some passages in life seem plain or nondescript, yet they might they might make life sing the way an anonymous brown bird hopping under the orange tree makes the garden more, more alive. Some people fight boredom in meditation, yet to be bored can be a good thing. It can mean the beginning of an appreciation appreciation for bare plain qualities. Enduring your own consciousness is available. I thought, what shouldn't a column be there just to be just to bore you? In this way, might not might not you appreciate your mind even when it is not being amused or having a problem? Intervals and moments between other moments can be good. In airport gates and shops and bars, you enter a boring eternity, which can sometimes be soothing. I think airplane crashes so infrequent compared to car wrecks are especially shocking because the point of being in, in an airliner is that nothing happens. Like an elevator, it's a place of boredom, not of events. The Tibetans have the word bardo, 
which is often applied to the imagined realm you travel through after death. Bardo means between, and all human states are actually bardo. Waking is a between state, and dreaming while you sleep is a between. Dying is its own between, and death, when in that imagined life you wander until a rebirth ceases you, is also a between state. Life is understood as intervals between other intervals. So far, so good. Can I just make a comment about the airplane? I disagree, I'm sorry. I think this, for me, the shock is that with a car, it's usually, you know, one or two people. With an airplane, it's a whole lot of people, like a whole lot. And I think for me, that's where the, the hit, you know, the difference comes in, you know, like you think hundreds of people have just died in one single event. Kim, will you go back to, because maybe I miss, misheard and misread it to that paragraph that talks about. It's right there. He has it up. Yeah, I think like there's something that are special. Oh yeah, we expect nothing to happen. Uh, yeah, and when it does, it is horribly shocking. I I agree, Jay. Thank you. I'm just going to point out that also when there's a car accident, people can survive it the majority of the time. With an airplane, normally there's no survivors. Now, when we are working with a koan, it's most interesting if you consider that everything going on for you is connected to that koan. Everything to think and feel, every reaction you have to events, is in the field of the corn, the way the earth is in the gravita gravitational field of the sun. Also, when you're in the field of a corn, you usually notice two opposite experiences. One is a sense of the vast background, the eternity that is inside everything you do and through which you move each day. From this point of view, life is not a mistake. And there is no in-between no in between that has less value than, than another. The beauty of common things shocks you. There's nothing boring about them. It is this experience that people talk about when they speak of enlightenment or intimacy or a profound change of heart. It's a happy moment. I get it. I have noticed that a koan usually has a quite different and darker effect as well. This other effect of a koan is to evoke, how to put it, the delusion, the belief system that seems to belong with this particular koan. This belief system is an assemblage of painful thoughts. It might seem as if you are failing. You might say to yourself, 
this way is too hard. Or, no, no, idiot. no. This is way too hard. This is way too hard. Or I'm an idiot. Or you might suddenly remember old grievances as if they had just occurred. These painful thoughts don't mean that you are failing. Instead, they mean that this is how pain appears to you. This is the aspect of your imprisonment that this koan evokes. For example, any koan that depends on a comparison can evoke a fierce feeling of superiority or humiliation. The koan, the great way, is not difficult. It just avoids picking and choosing. Might bring up lots of picking and choosing and all the hope of gain and fear of loss you have ever had. Such a koan can show you everything you don't like about your own consciousness when you pick and choose. It can also be true that if a koan makes you suffer in such a way, then it might be especially useful to you. And if you are interested in freedom, it might lie, might lie in this direction. You could go toward rather than away from the sign in your mind that says no trespassing. <laughs> and what does finding freedom mean? When you are objecting to the moment, you are treating the moment as a between, a full moment, a mistake, not a real moment to be inhabited. If you see that your thoughts are the source of your pain, freedom begins. You have been a character in a novel and suddenly you stop following the script and step out of the novel. No extra effort is needed. You don't need to write a better script. At the moment of his awakening, Buddha said, I have met the builder and broken the ridge pole. I shall not build that house again. I have never heard that before. I have neither. Broken ridge pole. I shall not build it. Okay, I'll look up ridge pole. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking it's like with the house, you know, the the what do you call those? The beams that you cannot knock down. What do you call those? Um, supporting beams. Supporting beams. That's mm -hmm. it. So the ridge pole. The horizontal pole of a long tent or a horizontal beam along the ridge of a roof into which the rafters are fastened. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Who do you think the builder is? Your thoughts. The eagle mind. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I went <laughs> Bugs Bunny and Duffy Duck. <laughs> <laughs> One with Duff, with Duffy Duck, where he's he's the drawing, but the the creator, the writer, the the one that draws him, is doing things to him and he's erasing him. <laughs> and, you know, he's trying to stop that from happening. So that's <laughs> where my mind went. That's beautiful, though. I like that. But the builder, I guess it would be God. Here, do you want to read Buddha's actual actual words? I just found them. 
Yeah. It's a little different. Mm -hmm. Yes, please. Kim, do Buddhists believe in God? That's really funny because they they did a survey. Even though it's not part of Buddhism normally, except for one, really not, but 70% of Buddhists believe in God, something like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of different sects. It's, of not the, it's not the, you know, part of Buddhism, but just, I don't know. So like there's oh, and they believe in they believe in in spirit and like tree spirits and stuff, uh, you know, some Buddhists. So oh. not exactly God, but but certainly things that um so are, Buddhism arose from India. Like it yes. kind of traveled um, and then to China and yeah. And so there was lots of existing gods imported from right from that tradition so i think or traditionally very old buddhism believed in several gods and then i feel like when it came to japan it kind of lost that focus of a god and i heard a lecture at ut on on bodhisattvas and it was very dear they were really thought of as gods too you know having any kind of power they could become anything they needed for the occasion so it was they didn't use the god word but it was pretty close okay thereupon he spoke these words of victory seeking but not finding the house builder we, we cannot see Kim, oh, yeah sorry yeah it's blank it was blank. I, I have failed <laughs> No, you, you've allowed yourself to try again. Yeah, your first time in your life. Okay. There, there, thereupon he spoke these words of victory, seeking but not, but not finding the house builders. I hurried through the round of many births, painful as birth, ever and ever, ever and again. Oh, house builder, you have been seen. You shall not build the house again. Your rafters have been broken up. Your ridge pole is demolished too. My mind has now attained the uniform nibbana, just kind of heaven, and reached the end of every sort of craving. Okay? Hmm. Yep. That's wow. it. Love it. Me too. So he's talking there about the nation and how to stop reincarnation. Well, that's the goal, to keep being, to stop being born over and over and over again. Yes. Okay. It's you, Kim. For me, the delusion that came with count the stars in the sky was that it was boring. Then one evening, an engineer told me how he had been touched by it, and I understood the koan the way he did. First of all, he had a dream about koans generally. He dreamed of a complicated lock with moving parts. 
When you align them just right, you could see the moon through the keyhole. The moon was antiquated. The lock. The lock. Oh, was the a... lock? Sorry. <laughs> the lock was antiquated, and he was working out how to deal with it. That was a promising set of images of koans as antique locks and also as windows into a moonlit room. When he woke, he felt encouraged. One night he went out into the... How do you say that? Veranda. 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 Mm -hmm. Veranda. And there was fog in the redwoods wrapped around the great trunks. The next night was clear. He stayed, he started one, two, three. He enjoyed the counting. There was nothing down to earth about it. The vastness of the galaxy was in each star. There were too many stars to count. And yet the, the count went on like a prayer. So, Melissa, is that kind of <laughs> something you were alluding to? Yeah. Yeah. I love that statement. I love that. Right? The count went on like a prayer. That's beautiful. And when you're doing a Zen sewing, it's kind of like that. One, two, you know, there, there's this endless thing. And, and when I work on my pieces, I, I, um, I work on every letter. And I don't know if anyone ever realizes it, but every letter I kind of fine tune and clean up and add to and 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 that's kind of my counting the stars and I kind of mm -hmm. like it that I mean maybe the the thing would be just as good or better without me doing that and that's okay too but I love the idea of, of playing with each letter I like that too ah. the next day he kept repeating it to himself count the stars in the sky as he drove and ate and talked to his family, he kept the koan with him. He noticed that when he was with the koan, little things, being short of sleep, the market taking a dive, feeling a physical illness, didn't throw him. He kept counting. He counted some more stars and asked himself, what is counting the stars? The next day was intense at work. He forgot the koan for long stretches. But when he got in the car, there it was. It was as if the koan began to hold the koan. The next day, every situation had an illumination of its own. The color of the leaves was intense. He was full of joy. The next day, he saw the plainness of objects and people. He wasn't happy or unhappy. He wasn't moved to speak about this. I'm sorry, my Batteries rang on. He wasn't moved to speak about this. Plainness. Oh. Oh, there we go. Um, he saw that this was the traditional response to this koan, that counting was itself a complete thing. He counted with the koan. He continued with the koan. Oh, he continued with the koan. Yes, it's dyslexic part of me. Sorry. Uh, it's all good. I, I prefer. The yeah. mind has a funny way of filling in words that are not there. <laughs> yes. It's lazy. No, seriously, the mind okay. is lazy, right? And rather than, you know, sit with it, it fills in words that are not there and 
creates whole new lines for us to read. Thank you for saying that. Makes me feel much better. I got my computer plugged back in. Then he came to talk to me. I'm sorry. Sorry. Then he came to talk to me. He jumped up, opened the door, and pointed out to the redwood trees uh, and Douglas fir. The early evening sky darkening among them, the rough rock wall, the moss and trillium, and the fall away into the valley. He was excited. He felt so befriended by life and so unafraid. He pointed to himself and to me and to the lamp. Melin, Melin, can you continue reading the just that short part? I will stop here. Oh. That's a star. That's a star. That's a star. He pointed to a table. That's a star. He pointed to a flower arrangement. That's a star. He pointed to himself. A star. What about terrorists? Yes, terrorists too. Definitely stars. He pointed through the window again to the evening. There is no death because all this is me, all of these stars. We sat together in the silence, then talked for a while. Then I gave him the next koan and he left. Then I began to remember, I remembered Mr. Roland, a retired gentleman in a brown suit to whom I had just introduced myself, who taught me to count. To 1,000 at the age of four, we were standing beside snapdragons at his front gate. I remember my grandfather teaching me the names of stars, constellations, galaxies, canopus in the great ship Argo, the crow, the mag. I'm going to say it in Spanish. Megajan, sorry, I can't say it right now. Magijan, oh. Magalenic. Mag Magalenic. Magellanic. Magellanic. That's what it is. Magin, say it again, please. Magellanic. 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 Thank you, Clouds. Orion with his sword and his red shoulder. The giant star Beetlejuice, a hunter accompanied by his dogs, chasing the Pleiades. He taught me how some names are from Arabic because of the desert astronomers, Aldebaran, the eye of the bull. Some aborigines called the Southern Cross the swan. My grandfather also brought out his antique sextant, teak, ivory, brass, and smoky colored glass. You look through, standing beside me on the black street above the chimneys of the public hospital. He taught me how to find my latitude, just in case, 
he told me it was worth, I'm sorry, I cannot continue. Um, I just got very nauseous. I need to stop. Okay. Okay. Uh, where, where did you stop it? Just in case. Yeah. Oh. He told me it was worth your while to know the names of the stars, to be available to navigate by them, and to contemplate vastness. Pacing the bridge of a ship on a watch on watch night at night. Is good for this activity, he advised. I saw then that this is one of those embarrassing stories in which the storyteller unconsciously describes his own mind. I thought the koan was boring, but I hadn't let it all the way in. I thought the koan was lazy, but no, that was also me. And I had convinced a few of my colleagues as well. It's all right. I'm sorry. He, something happened. Here we go. It's really nice to have your delusions exploded. It's like getting out of prison. If you can can see a delusion of your own, it's wonderful. You can breathe. You can't find the walls that lay the hymn you in. I like to sit on a veranda overlooking the valley, counting the pleiades coming up in the cold air. The crow, the big bear, turning around the pole as the night goes on. And that's what meditation is like, really doing nothing, looking at nothing in particular, relishing the plainness, the life in between. When I, um, when I read this koan, I thought of, I like to go on uh, nature walks in the forest. And I thought of, I stopped one time and I, looked around me and I thought to myself, how would I really describe everything that I'm seeing? And I couldn't because there's just so many trees and leaves and bark and grass and insects. And it was, it was infinite, that little tiny glimpse in the forest. And it made me, um, it made me stop. And that's what counting the stars is like to me. Had a, uh, I don't know if it was like a question or if I, can you, Kim, can you put that last uh, little bit back up? Uh, preferably that last line I read. The, looking at nothing in particular. Okay, never. Oops, I, I was sorry. thinking. Um, I guess I guess the looking at nothing part stood out the most, but I, I was like I was thinking like if you're looking at nothing in in that uh sense aren't you really looking at everything kind of mm -hmm. yeah um, nothing looking at nothing in particular is seeing everything 
I think our society in particular has like, um, there's a goal to be reached. There's an end, there's a limit. And mm -hmm. I think it's very important to be reminded of, uh, it doesn't have to be that way. Nelda, you said something, but you were muted. I just said lovely chapter. Oh. So when we first oh. read the Quran, I was uh, thinking about uh, why, why it was to count the stars and not something else, like uh, deficiency or whatever. And then when it what it came to my mind, it was that even though it is impossible to finish counting the stars, it is amazing and lovely to count the small amount that you are able to in your capabilities. Mm. Yeah. I had never heard of this koan. And I'm going to look it up. And Melin, isn't it the same with our practice? Delu delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. No, we can't. We can't end all delusions. But isn't it lovely to help, even if it's just the ones in ourselves, to end them, or most of them, or some of them? So, yes, I like what you said. Thank you. The same with beings, we can't free them all, but we can free the ones, help free the ones we can, so. And that's a good life. I feel that what I like about this koan is that it says that is if there's something, have an event in your life, and there's another event in your life, and this is the in between the two, the whole way, the waiting, the boring part. But to me, that's the good life because the event can be a disastrous one or it could be a joyous one. But we don't really live for those moments. Like for example, if there's a wedding, everybody's preparing and you know, so it's something exciting, wonderful, a, a promise of, of a new, hopefully good future. So you leave, you're going towards that, and then the event happens. But then in reality, the real life is after the wedding. It's, <laughs> that's when you are living, not in the preparation of the wedding. You are, it's not about the wedding, it's about living your life. And then there's gonna come maybe the birth of a child or you buy a new home 
all of those are events, but if you buy a home, it's about the life that is going to be lived in that home. Mm-hmm. So and I think that's, and I think I kind of wish for people what I wish for myself, and that is have a boring life because that will mean you have a good one. Mm-hmm. First thing mm-hmm. one is for books, not for real life. Stalin, I'm sorry, I missed something when you said something is meant for books, not for real life. What is it? An interesting life. Oh. Because an interesting life brings a lot of hurt, suffering, drama, pain is what makes it interesting. But, I don't know. I I don't live life like that. I I live. <laughs> I think my life is interesting, and I live for an interesting life. I I do, you know. So, I I I will um, I, I will respectfully differ on that. <laughs> the, the part. Of, okay, let me put it this way: if, if you have a child, and they're being abused, and then they grow up and they are traumatized for what they went through, but then they're able to work through the trauma and create a good life for them. That's Mm -hmm. an interesting life. That's a good book with a happy ending. But in real life, having a person have to go through the abuse, having a person have to go through, hopefully being able to work through the trauma and be able to build a good life, I don't wish that on anybody Mm. because that's a lot of suffering. Now, an interesting life of, hey, I'm a lawyer or I'm a rock climb, you know, an alpinist and and I climb mountains and, you know, if that type of life can be interesting without trauma. And by means, I wish that for you. (laughs) Okay. So I wouldn't wish trauma on anyone, but not but. And and in my 66 years in this life and working with families and family law and different jobs, One thing I've noticed is that no one escapes pain and hardship. No one. It's different Mm -hmm. and it's different intensities, but no one escapes it. You do to name one person who's gotten out of this life without some grief or hardship or pain. And so I, I say this for myself all the time. I've had a hard life in many parts of my life, but I've had a good life even with the hard, and maybe because of the hard. I know I didn't appreciate my mom in my childhood with her mental illness, Um, but I'll tell you what, I think it really, it really made me in a very big part, the person I am today. 
And I agree with that, Nelda. I think that, I mean, I had an interesting childhood. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, okay. but I've learned to use the difficulty, you know, and I think that is life's challenge that is being offered to to us is to use the difficulty, you know, and I've honestly like, the things of my childhood have made me who I am and allowed me to be a light for other people. You know what I'm saying? Like I have used my difficulties for my highest good, for, you know, the betterment of, I don't, you know, prior to my spiritual practice, I'm like, I was stuck in, I wish, you know, things should have, but that was the, 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 source of my suffering i was trying to create a, a a world that was different than what i had versus like how can i use this for my you know betterment how can i use this to make the world a better place how, what was the point of all of this if it's not for me to utilize it and so i have used my hardships my difficulties my interesting life <laughs> To, you know, to, 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 to be better in this world, it's, it's just afforded me things that I see. And this is, this is not saying that I wanted it, but I see the benefit of it. Right. And so that's why I'm saying I, and I agree with Nelda. I don't think anyone in this world is spared hardship. Anybody you speak to will tell you their version of their horror story. Right. But I, I, again, I think that it's how we utilize that interesting life. I, 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 wanna, I, I, Jay, I wanna add one more thing to that because I have tremendous compassion for, the, for people who've been through um, complex trauma and complex, hmm. yeah. Um, I can't even think of it. CP, uh, anyway, doesn't matter. And that is, and, and Flint gave the words. I think Flint gave some very insightful, deeply insightful words when Peg asked him, how did you turn out this way, the way you are? And his answer is key, I think, to whether or not you can overcome trauma or have a really hard time overcoming trauma. His answer was, I was loved just enough. And if you don't get just enough love, it's hard to get past those things. I've seen it. I, 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 I just feel like that's it. I feel like, you know, poverty won't kill you. Lack of love will kill you. Okay. So I just want to point out, I completely agree with the two of you. What I went through in my life has made me the person that I am. And if not, I it would I could have grown up to be a very different person, most likely not a good one. Mm. So I appreciate what I went through and that it was necessary. But the key word is I wish. This is just when you give a wish for somebody else's life, yeah, it can mm. have a that is my wish. And it is my wish because I already have gone through a lot. I really like not go through anymore. I think I'm okay with the growth 
already have done on my <laughs> yeah. person. So, <laughs> I would really, 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 really like, I wish for myself for the rest of my life to have a boring <laughs> be careful what you wish for. Because can I just tell you, you cannot get to the mountaintop if it's smooth, right? You have to go through peaks and valleys. It's a rough climb to get to the top. If you're keeping on one plane, then you know, I don't know what kind of life that is. Just that because it's like you know, like, okay, the body, right? The body, it goes through a lot of chemicalization. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on in the body. If you say, I don't do anything. I don't want any drama in my, do you know what your cells are going to do? They're going to die. You know, do you know what I'm saying? It's like, I, I just, no, no, listen, listen, listen. No, 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 darling. <laughs> I am like, trust, I, I don't know how to say it, and this is, you know, may come off wrong, but I think you're stronger than you realize. And when um, challenges, right? I think life is going to give you challenges. It's going to give you challenges to show no, you yeah. up <laughs> and elevate you to that next level. And I, I believe in you. I've seen you. <laughs> I have seen you rise to the occasion and shine like freaking like boom. I have faith in you that whatever challenges life throws you, right? That you will rise and shine. And you'll be like, damn, I thought I wanted a boring life. <laughs> <laughs> when nothing is happening, nothing. Think about that, a boring, nothing is happening. Flat line, that is flat line. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Jay. <laughs> but seriously. I understand. When- with that boring life is being able to have roses and be able to smell them. Mm-hmm. And roses have thorns. I know. <laughs> but they're worth it. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Sorry. No, I love it. It's true. It's I love true. it. I have said adjustment. I'm drinking jasmine tea. I should have said adjustment. It has no thorns, but I love it. To grow a jasmine is a very, very, very difficult thing. Mm-hmm. But it's not boring. No, that is true. Okay. Smelling the- a rose is not boring. That's taking in being there, being present. I think I think maybe that's that's what what sometimes we say is a boring life is is just to be present and not not have to deal i mean to be able to deal with those her beautiful waves that keep me distracted um but to be able to deal with the events in a different way a calming way but calm is not boring i think Mm -hmm. that i think that's what I'm trying to say being calm, having calm moments, recognizing the rose. Those are not boring. Those are beautiful in their moments, like they were traveling, like you were traveling through the, the tunnel and all of that. Um, I think we can use that to empower us and to allow us to 
get through the things that we maybe don't want to face or things of the past or whatever. But I think that boring, because somebody used to ask me, don't your kids get bored? They never seem to be bored. And I'm like, why would they be bored? What I don't understand the concept of being bored, not having anything to do, not being able to, you're thinking all the time. How can, how can it be boring? So I, I don't understand that concept, <laughs> but, but, again, okay, but yeah, so just, so even sitting here in the moment, just think about how amazing one mm. breath is one breath, one breath. You take this breath and when your body is thankful for it and ready to release it, it releases. And guess what? There's another one available and another one and another one and another one. And it's just this phenomenal life sustain. I mean, just a breath. If you just sit and think about the immensity of a breath, it's to me, it's as or more beautiful than that picture of the Milky Way that you saw in Maui, right? It, it one breath is that amazing especially if you've had it when you can't have that one breath right right exactly right think of all the people in covid who were dying literally to have one more breath just the breath is so amazing and starlet you're the embodiment of all of that oh please come on guys Hmm. I did it all facts, facts. Cody, <laughs> <laughs> um, you're so quiet. <laughs> we women have just taken over the chatter, huh? I'm just listening. That's uh, all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we want to leave space for everyone. So, do, is there anything, Cody? I mean, this was a this uh that one koan it had me you know gave me a lot of different um thoughts on perspectives in different perspectives i guess uh i was thinking one uh also uh basically when they said count all the stars like you know how some say we're all made of stardust you know, maybe that's what count the stars mean. Because uh, it seemed like one passage in the, in the. Uh, I mean, yeah, I can't remember exactly what it said, but it was basically like, you're a star, you're a star, you're a star. Mm -hmm. So he, he was basically pointing out everything around him, you know, as a, as a star. And, and that, and that kind of gave me that, uh, that thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because absolutely everything that we're surrounded by was made in the heart of the star. Yeah. Beautiful. Have you all ever heard, it's one of those little things you see on the internet, be noble for you are made of stardust, be humble for you are made of earth dust. Mm. I find that just lovely. I do like that. Yeah, that one little, you know, one little line of koan, it, it go, it went a very long way. Uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, I have to bring this up because I had it from the very beginning when you, Kim, mentioned 
about infinity. And Cody, I'm so happy that you watched that movie. Wasn't it fantastic? Yes, it was. It, it was. Now I'm gonna have to watch it again, Star. I, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seriously, in this whole conversation just, you have to watch it again, definitely. So With your son. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You'll be amazed what he comes up with after he sees it. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. He, he, he'll he never stop. Well, that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> he, he'll take a trip to infinity. <laughs> Literally. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. So the thing is that um, when you look at a circle, it is the embodiment of infinity. You don't have, you can start at any point, but there's really no end to the circle and no beginning to it. That's why pe some people don't like the, the one third thing. That doesn't make any sense to them. <laughs> they were a sphere. The, the universe is a sphere. The, the surface. <laughs> Yes, yes. The, the, yes. So the thing is that in the beginning it was this, well, it was way smaller than that. But as it grew, it's like a balloon, but we are on the surface of that balloon, just like we are on the surface of the earth. So it's a weird concept. And it's, it must be a theory because certainly this astronomer didn't have that theory. I'm sorry. I couldn't hear you. The astronomer I was talking to saw the universe. Theory. He didn't, he didn't, he had a different theory. Oh, okay. <laughs> well. I'm surprised that most of space is empty. You know, like we see stars, but it's mostly space and not things like stars. Most of earth is empty. Most of your table is empty. Most of your body is empty. Right. <laughs> As within, so without. I mean, everything is, uh, so I see the- And, and, and most space. of cells. Yes. Mm -hmm. it's, the pattern is repeated over and over and everything. You see it all the time, you know? It keeps going, it's infinite. Yep. There you go. <clears throat> well, I did watch the, the documentary several times, Starlet, and I, I loved it. But, oh, you uh, Yeah. I did like five times I saw it. Wow. I know it's just so amazing. It is. Mm -hmm. But what, what is really amazing to me is that this infinite infinite concept is a construct for humans. It is a human construct. Mm -hmm. So that, that is amazing too. So we're talking of something that we do not understand, but we have created to understand it or something like that. Mm. <laughs> yes. That's a, good, that's a beautiful way of putting it. That's exactly right. We can't hold the concept of infinity. We have no idea how to hold that except with that word. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is the same way that you were talking about being the third of infinity. On this, they also go, okay, so what's infinity times infinity? And <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> 
It's seriously good. I'm, I can, I'm not do only my enthusiasm for that movie that suggests this because no words can <clears> I say. <throat> I don't know what that is, Scarlett, but that's what I say to my son all the time. I love you infinity times infinity. <laughs> and I'll let him do the math, right? <laughs> <laughs> I like that because that if you're doing infinity times infinity, then your love is always growing. Mm, right? I love that, yeah. Melissa. I like that. Thank you. Oh, I just want to point out that we were supposed to do the video yeah what happened with that we felt we like took, we took a vote before you came <laughs> and all of us wanted to read well i love so i'm happy and all day long i thought i was really looking forward to reading and then right before we started i remembered about the video and, and i was disappointed yes so we decided to read this was a good read today, though. I mean, it was yeah, yeah, boring, yeah, really. boring. very boring. <laughs> it didn't bring up anything for anybody. That was the bad thing. I mean, boring is very subjective, subjective though, because what's boring to some is exciting to others, and vice versa. And some people find that when they're meditating and looking at a wall. Mm-hmm. Or when they're counting stars. <laughs> Just imagine the patience that would take. That's like that's like getting a ten pound bag of rice and saying, "Hey, you know, go count each and every grain of rice." Yeah. Infinity really is what you make of it. There's, uh, there's a book um, that is escaping my mind, but it's um, it's written by a man who spent his life, well, most of his life in prison from a young age. And uh, he talks about how you know, a lot of that time he was in solitary confinement. And he sort of talked about the path of various people that he met in prison who really didn't deal with that solitary confinement very well, kind of made them mad. And he chose to rise to the occasion by trying to make things better for himself and for others. And that was his life. Um, he was let out of prison and like 10 years later he died. Um, so it's easy to think about infinity when you're gazing at the stars or the, the waves or something beautiful like the forest or but i think when you're staring at a wall or you're in prison or prison bars yeah that is that is the challenge i guess how you meet that yeah, because that can drive you to suicide. Mm -hmm. The 
being in the prison or any situation as such as infinite. It can they, be hard to lose sight of the wonder. Mm -hmm. It can mm -hmm. be yes. That's when it becomes hard to stay alive. Yeah. Because um, but I'm sorry, go ahead, start it. Um, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. Because to me, when we're talking about the normal life that we've been talking about, um, being alive is not an effort. We're just alive and we don't even think about being alive. And we can look at the stars or smell the roses or whatever. But when you are in a prison, like you're very well said, Emily, then infinity takes a very dark turn because you don't see an end to that. And that's when the focus is not on the stars or anything like that. It, the focus internalizes and that's when you go, okay, it is really hard to be alive. Or right, you know, start. I, I agree with you because <clears throat> just say you're, I mean, even in prison, say on like death row or something, like it, it's basically like they have an expiration date. You know what I mean? Like, um, like all they can look forward to is the time that they have because either they're, you know, have the expiration date or they they're behind those walls for a certain amount of time and and they know that so like time is enhanced for them versus you know if you're on the outside and you're uh, you're just living basically i you're forced to you're forced to really confront that the enormity of time exactly. Right. I found that at Alcatraz, Alcatraz, you know, is a rock outside of, but had a prison, a federal prison for a short period of time. And um, it's right across the bay from San Francisco. And prisoners in the know who knew to ask for certain cells never chose the ones at the top that had a view of the bay and the bridge. Mm. Because you could hear every sound from the city across the bay, especially mm. New Year's Eve, you know, uh, Christmas sounds. And the suicide rate on those top floors was astronomical. Mm. So they, when new prisoners came in or when prisoners had been there long enough, they would beg for the dankest, lowest. Excuse <coughs> me. That just made them realize how much of life they lost. And I just have to say, uh, you know, people for me like Victor Frankl and, um, oh, what is that guy's name? Mm, they made a movie about him. Anyway, um, they've been, met, uh, uh, oh gosh, hold on. Ellie Weissel. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And um, okay, South Africa. What's his name? Mandela. Mandela. Mm -hmm. 
those individuals also show us the power that we have in each of our present moment, right? That we can rise above the situation and, you know, um, and not like redirect our attention, really, you know, whether it's towards suffering or freedom. And so, you know, there's both sides, right? And for me, this practice is about turning my eyes towards freedom, seeing the the bigger picture and not um, succumbing to um, the, I don't know, I don't know how to, you know, not succumbing to suffering. Let me put it that way. So yeah. I do believe that. And I speak from this, you know, I don't often talk about it, but I was physically abused. I was emotionally abused. I was sexually abused. You know what I'm saying? And I have risen above that, you know, and I am, I, maybe, I don't know, maybe I was loved just enough. I don't know what it is, but I, I don't know. I find joy in everything and I can, I see how my experiences help me to be, you know, um, helpful to other people, you know, I, I see things differently. And so I'm, I don't know, I am in my interactions with others, I'm not, I don't know. Anyway, the, the, the thing is that I have had those things in my life. I've had those challenges in my life and, and people who I've trusted and when, you know, I was being abused in one way, I went to somebody else and that person, you know, also abused me. They took it as an opportunity. And yet as an adult, I, I committed myself to healing, right? And I don't know, I've just, it's washed away for me. I, I cannot tell you the, the length of my journey and all those things, but it is washed away and it doesn't cause me the angst and suffering that it used to because i see i can see the bigger picture in my life and i use it i use those things for the betterment so i thank you jay for sharing i <laughs> i'm just going to point out that because of what you went through you can really appreciate how magnificent and precious it is to be able to find somebody that you can trust, to be in a place where you don't be afraid. Mm -hmm. Be able to look at the life you have created for yourself. And you see that dichotomy of saying, no, that's the past, this is the present, and this I built. And <laughs> I am in awe of you. Oh. You know yeah. I love you. I like you really embody there was someone last week who said to me, um, I I wonder why people ask wish me a happy new year on January first, because every second is a new year. Mm. And you really embody that. Could we uh, call it an evening?
Thank you for oh. coming and sharing. Yeah. So let's have more boring koans, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. See you next time.